Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast show that'll slice and dice or appraise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme. This month's theme is Doomed December, end of the world movies, including Stigmata and End of Days. Tonight's movie is Ghostbusters 2 from 1989. They follow up to the 1984 classic which has the 80s cartoon to blame slash praise for its outcome. Uh, This was one of the first movies I saw as a kid. In fact, I still have the original badge that was given to kids in a goodie bag as they entered the cinema. Sadly, however, I don't have the mini poster or any other goodies, just that one little dinky badge. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. I actually think this is better movie, although that could be the nostalgia talking. I recently... Completed the remastered Ghostbusters video game, which I found fun, if a little bit tricky, uh, and brought back the nostalgia feeling, so blah da da da. Anyway, which by the way has some elements from Aykroyd's original Ghostbusters script, i.e., the devil thing. Like I said, this borrows from the 1980s cartoon, hence why Slimer is in this more, plus some of the character models have changed. So strap on your proton pack and let's go Ghostbusting again. With its $30 million budget, this thing pulled in $215 million. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, Peter McNichol, Kurt Fuller and Max Von Sydow. Directed by Ivan Reitman. At that plot, five years after events of the Ghostbusters, the boys have been sued by the city, so are now bankrupt and banned from ghostbusting. However, Dana Barrett's baby son is picked to host the ghost of a medieval wizard. Also in the sewers of New York runs a river of moodslang, fed on by the hatred of the city. This is running to the museum where the, co- sorry, the owner has been possessed by the wizard's evil spirit. Actually, it's more of a saucer than a wizard, but moving on. Can the boys regroup, rebrand, and start ghostbusting again to stop the sorcerer before he takes over the world? All before New Year's Eve 1989. Find out here. So, the opens up with five years later. Then a shot of a crack on a road where some pink slime oozes out. Dana Barrett, once again played by Sigurd Weaver, pushes her silver cross baby cr- uh, carriage or cruiser, I think that's what it's called, hmm. uh, through it uh, as she's laden down with shopping. As a man in the street is fighting with a cra- traffic warden, also there's a lady with a broken leg who calls some guy a, a useless moron or something like that. And this is the start of the mood slime power as every time it's on screen, people start to act evil. Anyway, she asks her superintendent for help, which she gives her after she calls him a nice human being. The baby carriage starts to roll away as Dana gives chase and it suddenly stops dead in the middle of traffic in the middle of the bloody road. But it zooms in and out of traffic here so it takes like weird turns and I'm like how the hell. Moving on, up pops the titles with the no ghost sticking up two fingers. Then we get a shot of uh, the dusty or rusty beat up Ecto-1 as inside is Ray played once again by Dan Aykroyd and Winston played once again by Ernie Hudson. They're rushing to a kids birthday party where the smart mouthed birthday boy played by Jason Reitman calls him full of crap and they do the Ghostbusters dance and then leave with money in hand. Cut to Dana asking Egon once again played by the late Harold Ramis for help. 
he's back in university testing out people's moods um, and how things can affect the moods of, of people, such as a divorced couple. He's been uh, made to wait in a waiting room for nearly three hours. And a little girl he gives a puppy to and then takes it away again to test how happy and sad kids can turn in a drop of a hat. She asks him not to tell Peter, then asks him how he is doing. It seems they two dated for a few years, then dumped him. Okay then, I'm guessing to marry the guy that was in the first movie. However, uh, by, by, uh, she has the kid with. However, they are now divorced. Wouldn't this have been better if this was set in 1999, not 1989? After all, the story would be much more better. Plus, the whole millennium thing, end of the world, Y2K bug thing, would have fit a whole lot better if this was 10 years later, not 5 years later. But it's moving the f right on. Cut to Peter, once again played by Bill Murray. He's now doing some cheap late night talk show about the psychic world with his two de guests talking about the end of the world. One saying it will be on the 31st rather, of December 1989 and others saying Valentine's Day 2016. The two psychics are Milton Angland, played by Kevin Dunn. He claims the world will end on the 31st of December 89. The other is Elaine, played by Chloe Webb, who says the world will end on the 14th of February 2016. As an alien told her, okay then. Peter, but of course, mocks him mercilessly. I love the fact Peter points out uh, the writer Psychic says 89 when it should have said 92, because that's when the game's set. I just love that little bit. After the show is over, Peter then bumps into the mayor, once again played by David Marigold. However, his aide, Hardmire, uh, played by Kurt Fuller of the Skinny Movie movies, check my archives, Supernatural, and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, again, check my archives, chases him off as Peter moans the city didn't pay up the bill and indeed they were bloody well sued. Cut to the Manhattan Museum of Art in New York. Of course, it's bloody Manhattan, it's the New York idiot John. <laughs> As we meet Dr. Janosch Paho, I think I that, played by Peter McNichol of the Adams Family Values, Dracula Dead and Loving It, Alamo Beale, and Numbers. He has a painting of Vigo, played by Wilhelm von Hamburg, who was a boxer in the 50s and 60s, and apparently wasn't a very nice man, so, hmm. He is then voiced by Max von Sydow, however, because the camera of this guy's voice was terrible, so Max von Sydow was picked. By the way, he's the old priest Mexicus. Again, check my archives. I note this painting, much like the rest of this movie, was rushed to be completed, so there we have it. Uh, here we also find out this is Dana's day job. I'm guessing she quit the New York Symphony Orchestra to have a kid then. Uh, note, does Peter McNichols' idea to play Janosch with an Eastern European accent. Cut to raise occult books as Egon researches Dana's case and walks Peter to get his book of magic on how to get rich and successful quick. He forces Ray to tell them what they're working on as he pulls on his ears onto Dana's apartment as the boys run tests on the kid. He is Oscar, put by twins William and Harry Dishendorf, I think I pronounced his name. So I just noticed Dana has a nanny, Maria, played by Yvette Cruz. Just how much money does a bloody art restorer make in the 1980s? Moving on, Peter mocks Dana's kid and annoys Dana, who just brushes him off because he's still a cocky prick. Finding nothing of the kid, the boys go outside to the street where they hit the jackpot as a peaky meter goes off big time at night. 
dressed as construction workers, where the hell they got the outfits from, how the fuck they afforded the equipment is beyond me, because it's supposed to be bankrupt. Ray and Egon dig up the street, they then lower Ray down into finding, uh, into the old subway, uh, it's again, into the old subway system underneath, and here he finds a river of evil pink slime that tries to grab him. Uh, so he takes a sample, and while panicking to get out, Ray kicks the power lines, which knocks out the power to Manhattan. Meanwhile, at the museum, Janos is possessed by Vigo, who tells him, quote, I, Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia, the sorrow of Moldovia, command you on a mountain of skills and a castle of pain. I sat in a blood of thor... Uh, blood, uh, uh, a throne... I fucking can't speak. Oh, I fucked it up. A throne of... Blood! Now is the season of evil! Oh god, that was yummy. So, just as a person, you want to bring home to your mother then? Hmm. He then goes on, he must find a child, so he'll live again. With that, he gives Janosch supernatural powers, including seeing in the dark with torch eyes and turning into scary bobbins to steal the kid Oscar. With the city bathed in darkness, Janos hunts down Dana and Oscar. However, she doesn't let him in, so he goes off to sulk with his magical torch eyes, which is a fucking freaky deaky sight. The next day, in the courthouse, Ray, Egon and Peter are on trial. That was quick. Not to worry, their lawyer can save them, right? Well, it's Lois Tully, once again played by Rick Moranis, so maybe not. Judge Wexler, played by Harris Yogan. Uh, states he has none of the Ghostbusters crap and with his constant shouting and all the anger he unleashes from the pink slime sample comes the Scullery Brothers who he sent to the electric chair years earlier and note the Scullery Brothers are modelled on the Blues Brothers as the DA is carted out of the courtroom or carried rather out of the courtroom by one of the Scullery Brothers uh, she's played by Janet Marigolan, the judge has no choice but to allow the Ghostbusters to reopen. So, with the courtroom in flames and all but destroyed, the Ghostbusters are back and cue Ghostbusters. Sorry, I'll do this one again. Ghostbusters, we're back! Oh, that was terrible. As Janine, once again, played by Annie Potts, states, and a monologue of the boys catching ghosts, all scored by Run DMC. Kicks in. Also, another cheesy advert with Janine and Lois playing man and wife. Who are you going to call? Why, of course, Ghostbusters! Oh, God, John, you're cheesy. As the boys are wearing the grey jumpsuits, only used in this montage, and on the posters for some bloody well reason. Back to the Ghostbusters HQ, as Ray and Egon show the others the mood slime sample Ray took works on both bad vibes and good vibes, and cue the dancing toaster as Ray shows off to Peter, who of course mocks it with, ah, it's eating my fingers, as the, the toaster quote dances to Jackie Wilson higher and higher. The next morning, Peter visits Dana at her work, where she tells him, she thinks the painting is watching her and indeed winks at her from time to time. Janosch bigs up the painting saying Prince Figo was a genius. However, Dana says he was a madman and a ruthless leader. Janosch chases Peter off and then talks to the painting. Mm. Later, Dana is filling a bath to bathe Oscar as it slowly fills with pink slime that comes alive and tries to eat Oscar. So I guess it's the kids' ghosts love to eat then. And that was a fucking terrible joke. <laughs> 
Anyway, Dana runs straight to Peter and he allows him to stay, putting Oscar in a football jersey, then unsurprisingly hits on her. Dana, however, just blows him off. Peter then gets the boys to check out her apartment and indeed the tub. Not before, Egon looks up Vigo on their data banks and here he finds out he was 105 years old when he died. Also, he was an evil occultist sorcerer. So the next day, the boys check out the museum and take readings, also photographs of the painting. And here, Ray tells Peter Vigo was 105 but didn't die of old age. He was poisoned, hung, shot, stabbed, hung, drawn and quartered. And then when his head died, he said he will be back as time is but a window, blah, 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 blah. And... Note, Vigo is based off Rasputin, the Mad Monk. While taking readings, Ray is possessed by the painting, as Peter does his best awesome powers by taking photographs. If you know the scene, you'll know the joke. Back to Dana, who has cleaned Peter's apartment, much to his annoyance. He then takes her out, leaving Janine with Oscar. And note, spot newspaper covers on the wall from the very first movie. Back to Janine who is as charming as ever to the people on the phone, as she is mercilessly hitting on Lewis. Other fact, she could, somebody says, there's a ghost in my cupboard, which well, she's got in the cupboard and hangs up. <laughs> well, he isn't hurt technically, moving on, <coughs> he isn't hurt technically, so uh, they have a date while watching Oscar. Ray and Egon are in a dark room developing the photographs, and they find a living presence behind the photos. They also see the river of slime, as second later the pictures all explode and go on fire. Luckily, Winston barges them with a fire extinguisher and saves the day. The boys try to get Peter for help, but it's too late. He's off out with Dana to dine in a posh restaurant. As in the sewers, the boys find the old subway system, and here Winston is run over by a ghost train, as others are scared by heads on poles. Ray finds the river of slime, try to measure how deep it is, but all three are pulled in. As back to Peter and Dana's date, which the boys interrupt, however not before they reconnect. Uh, Peter and Dana, that is. Lois uh, puts Oscar down after telling him a weird version of Slovenia's divorce. So Janine hits on him outrageously. Like I said, the boys are covered in pure evil pink mood slime and they all but kill each other. They quickly remove their uh, slime-coated clothing and they run to the restaurant where they accidentally fling the slime everywhere. They are then rant on and on and on about the river of slime heading towards the museum. They are then arrested as Bobby Brown's up to his place. And note, Bobby Brown is the doorman to the mayor's office. Uh, the one that asked the, for a kid-sized protein pack, yeah, him. In the mayor's office, the boys try to warn the mayor. However, his yes man won't let them finish. So, he has encouraged me to a nut house and spot Bill Murray's brother as the doctor. Dana returns home to pick up Janine and Louise's <coughs> a date. Anyway, the boys try to warn the mayor that unless the New Yorkers be nice to each other, the world is doomed. Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> like I said, the mayor's yes man has them all carted away. And here, Janosch turns into a ghostly Mary Poppins somehow. He then kidnaps Oscar after he makes a deal with Vigo to let him have Dana as his wife. With the boys in that house, Dana has no choice but to rush to the museum to rescue Oscar. And here the effects are a little bit weak, but it's all in the fun of it. 
derivative of slime arises and coats the museum just as Dana enters. Okay, the effects here are a bit of shit, but eh. Like I said, this is 30 years old, so eh, let it go. So the mayor calls the Ghostbusters, however, they're in a nut house, so he gets them out. As they rush to the museum, they find it coated in a hard shell of slime, which is pulsing with pure evil. And indeed, their proton packs can't cut through it. Thinking it's over, they must use the force of good to break the slime shell. Cut to the boys coating the insides of the Statue of Liberty and good pink mood slime making her walk while playing Jackie Wilson's higher and higher. I've got to say, all the ghosts are running amok around New York, including a ghostly text driver and an odd to Scrooge. I think that's actually the first one. Hmm. Also, the mink coat coming alive, which was cut from Ghostbusters 1. Oh yes, and the Titanic arrives. And spot Cheech Martin as a dock supervisor. With the mayor's yes man fired, the Ghostbusters Lost, Lois takes upon himself to dress up as a Ghostbuster and head to the museum and cue Slimer dressed as a bus driver, driving a bus even though he has no legs. The fuck does that work? Like I said, the 80s cartoon had a lot to bloody well answer for. At the museum, Dana talks her way into Janosch letting her go free as outside the Statue of Light arrives, smashes the sunroof as the boys paraglide down at the Slime Janosch. I love the fact there's an, NEA, an NES advanced controller to remote control the statue. Do all things here. How in the hell did they get the statue back to Liberty Island? And who the feck painted the final picture? Moving the hell right on. The boys take on Vigo, who walks into the painting. Ray is turned, so he is slimed next. Vigo is then sent back to hell via the power of New Year's Eve, as the people sing Old Lang Side outside. The painting is turned into the Ghostbusters dressed as disciples. As Dana and Peter kiss, the world is safe. Janine gets her man. As the boys all dance to various songs are given the key to the city. As credits roll. So it was Ghostbusters 2. Okay, technically this is a cut and paste sequel. However, is that a bad thing? After all, Ghostbusters 1 is one of the best comedies ever made. Thin enough the effects are a bit ropey, but who cares? It's Ghostbusters Bloody Bill 2. Fun, witty and sharp, and this is a good time. I'm going to give this thing a 9 out of 10. So I'll come back next week as I look at New Year's Evil. And for the lineup for 2020 is January is Jurassic Park. February is Fierce Females. March is Not So Marvelous March. April is WrestleMania. June is Turtles. July is Jaws. August is atrocious 80s. September is psychotic September, or serial killer September. October is one of horror movies. November and December, I haven't a fucking clue. Still, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. And email me with suggestions to Here's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of House, Hellraiser, House on Haunted Hill, Resident Evil, and more. Also, my solo podcast on The Fog, The Stuff, Elvira, Chud 2, Bud the Chud, Chud even, and many, many more. Also, check out my second podcast, The Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, on Anchor, where every two weeks myself and my co-host look at the best of the very bad, everything from B to Bloody Bell Z. Now, bye, and remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. You have to have some pink jelly. Mmm, jelly and ice cream.